0: This is letting a huge secret out of the bag. My family likes to go on walks, often. We often take our dog just around the block. And when it started getting really bad, I still wanted to see her. I still wanted to know, hey, do you need some scones? Is your freezer empty? What can I bring for you? Right. But I stopped getting those invitations, and I stopped getting those calls. And of course I knew why. And I didn't want to steal any good time. And I think towards the end, especially, that was what was circling in my mind constantly. Don't take the good time away from the people that matter most. With that being said, my walks consistently were by her house, very slow, (laughs) hoping that one of the children was looking out the window or that the front door was open or that somebody else's car was parked there so I could just pop over and say, hey. Right. Um, and I felt really lucky because even if it was only five minutes to just stop by and say, yeah. hey, how's it going? Or, hey, I had these extra chocolate chip cookies that I just made special for you. Right. but they Like just... I just had extra. Yep. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was lots of extra. <laughs> um, and so for me, that was really good. So I think especially towards the end, I did wait for invitations. Mm-hmm. And so many of those walks by their house were just that. Walks right on by.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and I'm loud, my kids are loud. And so I'm sure that they saw, they heard us, they probably looked out, but if they didn't want to see us, they knew we were there.
1: And now, Mundane
2: Faithfulness presents in partnership with South Park Crawl Space Records, the Mundane Faithfulness Podcast. Welcome to the Mundane Faithfulness Podcast, where friends of Kara Tippetts gather to discuss issues of community, grace, hardship, and the gospel. Today, we are in the studio with Jill talking about the book, Just Show Up, that she co-authored with Kara. We are talking about chapters six and seven, and Allie has joined us as well. So we're talking about chapter six of Just Show Up today. Chapter six is the battle of insecurity, and I think it is such an important chapter. Um, I think that taking the risk of pursuing someone who is hurting by just showing up, you are making yourself so vulnerable, and you're humbling yourself to love that person. You're setting aside your pride to serve well, and in doing all of that, you take the risk of being rejected. So for some of us, it's hard not to overanalyze every little detail of the relationship with that person when you do something We want to love so well. We want to be affirmed that what we're doing to just show up is making a difference. And Jill, you express this perfectly when you write, If anything, the emotions, while walking through hard with a loved one, are even more heightened than usual. We care deeply. We hurt immensely. We feel left out and sad or included and amazing. Far away, nearby, no one is immune to the virus of insecurity." And with Kara specifically, we felt this way in part because we hadn't known her for long. So we didn't have a chance to build a foundation of years of cancer-free friendship and know what that looked like before we started the hard walk of cancer. We were learning what it meant to do friendship with Kara in the midst of illness. So it wasn't just, what does friendship mean to Kara? It was, what does friendship mean to Kara who is going through cancer? Allie, you jumped right into friendship with Kara when, as Jill mentions in chapter 7, you had every right to back away once you heard the word cancer. Can you share with us how you and Kara met and what your thoughts were when you heard her diagnosis and why you decided to befriend her after all you and your family had gone through once you found out um, what was ahead for her?
0: So Kara and I met right after the Waldo Canyon fire. And so as a neighborhood, um, we were all a little shaken. I think there was this tremendous amount of guilt that we were able to come back to our houses for our neighbors that weren't, but then this tremendous amount of relief that we had our homes, we had our memories, and we didn't lose, you know, everything. Right. And so we had a neighborhood barbecue to kind of celebrate, and it was fun, and I wasn't going to go, and Brad said, just go take some—there was a collection of stuff that we were going to give to other neighbors that weren't so fortunate— and so I, I went to take this. She wasn't going to go, but she was recruiting for the West Side barbecue that was kind of going to happen as well at her house a couple days later. So I go, and I just start talking to her because my husband had pre-gone for me and said, there's this girl. She smells like patchouli. She has 100 kids. You're going to love her. I'm pretty sure she's a hippie. And that I, is awesome. So how sweet is that? Like, that wasn't—when she said she was a pastor's wife, I was like, wait a minute, Pastor Patchouli? This does not happen. You can't be a hippie if you're a pastor's wife. Absolutely <laughs> not. Don't be crunchy at all. <laughs> um, but so we're just chit-chatting, and our boys are thirsty, but we hadn't brought anything to contribute to the party. So we, we just told them, do not eat, do not drink, like, just <laughs> be here. Well, next thing we know, Lake walks up with this solo cup filled, like, splishy splashing out to the brim of wine and says, I, I don't think this was a kid's drink. <laughs> and She's she, weird. <laughs> yeah. She looks at me and she's like oh my gosh he just got himself a full glass of wine. She said do you drink wine? Let's get another cup. Poured it in half a cup and I just said pastor's wife that smells like patchouli that drinks wine. I am in. I um, love that. One. And so we kind of just insta-bonded. It was a time where I really was seeking more Christian women in my life, and it was a time where we were halfway done through chemotherapy with my own son. It was a time where I had never had a neighbor friend that I could walk up to and say, hey, let's cook together. Hey, I have these leftovers. Hey, do you have any cardamom? You know, Mm -hmm. And it was just something that I wanted so badly, and so for everything it was, I was all in. And very shortly after, we found out that she had gotten the cancer diagnosis, and I wanted to be all in still. I Did you doubt that at all? Was there, like, a moment? There was never any doubt. What was the doubt in my mind was she wasn't—it wasn't that bad. She was Mm -hmm. going to make it through. She was going to do this stint of chemo, and she was going to be fine, and life would return back to what it was. Um, my grandma had had breast cancer, very similar aged as Kara. And I just had, my cup was half full. Like it was going to be better. She was going to get to grandmother, her grandchildren. And there was never, ever any doubt that that was what was going to happen with her. Mm-hmm. I don't think at that point I knew how hard it was going to be. I'm not saying I would have changed Anything mm-hmm. in the world and I feel so fortunate that I got to come alongside her and all of her community and walk um, but yeah so you were expecting good oh absolutely so, absolutely yeah. I think she would get irritated with me sometime like I told her no my cup's half full and she said I'm going to dump half your cup out like seriously <laughs> it is not all rainbows oh, and I said it yeah. is it is and glitter yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Ali, one of the things I love about your friendship with Kara is that it was different from the rest of us because um, some of us knew Kara from school, some of us knew her from church, but you were just a street over and you were able to uh, just show up for her in ways that we couldn't for no other reason than geography. But you guys had such a special friendship because of your own story and um, you knew how to love her in a way that the rest of us didn't necessarily know, especially right away. What did that look like for you? How did you have the courage to um, just show up for her and reach out to her, especially since you were new friends? What did that look like in your own story?
0: I think it was actually really hard for me to navigate. And I always joked with her, I can't be a school friend. I can't be a church friend. I'm just your neighbor. (laughs) And it was, it put me in such an awesome position to just show up. And if it was just something small, I forgot this. Can you go to the store? Absolutely. One time she was make she felt really good and she needed Crisco. Like what? Crisco? No one uses Crisco anymore. Sadly, I had some. Don't judge. <laughs> um, and so I was able to do that. And I wished I could, you know, I wished I could do more because I did know I lived the closest, but it was really hard because I lived the closest to, to know if I could hang out over there all the time, if I could yeah. be there all the time, if I could wanted to do this or wanted to do that. And that was a little hard for me to navigate. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was, I felt really fortunate. You know, if there was a bedtime that needed to happen, I was just right there. Um, And so I was really happy that I was able to show up.
1: So insecurity-wise, you just kind of touched on that a little bit at the end, how hard it was for all of us because we had developed friendships even with Kara having cancer, I mean, she was super extroverted and always pulling people in. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Like, how did you handle that when you felt it? When you felt that, like, do I go? Do I not go? Because a lot of people will ask me, so what do you do with the insecurity? Like, how do you make that decision of how to show up or pursue that friendship? I think Blythe touched on it a tiny bit in the beginning
0: as well that we are making this investment in a person. And I think you have to go in knowing that they might not be able to tell you what they need. They may not be able to see you. They may not be able to eat what you just brought them because the smell of it is just what triggered something terrible. And that's a choice that you have to make up front. If you can't open yourself up to almost that rejection, Mm -hmm. it's You need to probably be a little bit more careful and decide how you can show up. And maybe the just dropping by, just showing up, that is not for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that with that being said, sometimes it's not rejection. Sometimes when you are going through hard, you literally don't function adequately. Mm -hmm. You don't realize that that person that you didn't invite is now at their house so upset because they feel like it was a personal attack on them. It was on purpose. It was clearly just an oversight. And you have to be willing and prepared to accept that. I always felt this humongous guilt of, I should really be writing thank you cards for all these awesome meals that are coming into my home.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I must have started to pen thank you cards like a hundred times. I couldn't bring myself to because I felt I needed to invest my energy in other ways. And I had just hoped and prayed that my friends knew that I loved them and I was appreciative of Mm -hmm. what they were doing for me at that time.
1: Right.
0: And so bringing it back to Kara, I think that and it doesn't stop you from feeling that way. I In the book, you mentioned the prayer meeting mm-hmm. for Kara. Yeah. When I saw those pictures, I was like... Oh. Were you not invited either? No, I wasn't Girl, invited. We could have hung out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was so hard because I was like, I want to pray. Even though I hate, yeah. hate, hate to pray out loud. It's my phobia. Yeah. I just, it's too conversational with Jesus and me to be put into public. <laughs> I have this, like, I just have a conversation with Jesus. And sometimes, like, I... Exp- expect an answer and right. and so um for me to be in that kind of format i knew it's probably was jesus protecting me and my insecurity about praying in public but i wanted to be there right. and um, i wanted you wanted to be included i wanted to be included yeah. yeah and i had to get over it you have to just get over it it mm-hmm. it wasn't that it was a slight at right. all right it yeah. was an oversight and that's okay Yeah. and i think with all of us too like you mentioned blythe we were in so many different circles of her life. Yeah. I right. was her neighbor. You were her church friend. You were her school friend. And so part of that is just, you know, school lends probably the most social the outlet for you sure. to... Absolutely. I mean, you see each other on the playground. You see each other drop off. And so I know that's how I've built so many of my really close friendships yeah. is just from school. Yeah. And so I just... In my mind, came to peace with all of those friends were from school, and that was that. Clearly, someone didn't think of me. Well, that
1: doesn't work for why I wasn't invited. Okay, well, I'm there's no excuse saying. for that. I was not
0: you invited were? either. And I,
2: no, and I oh, but but who when was at this I don't Claire know. Meeting. Well, that's my point because there's pictures. I looked I at the pictures and I was like, I don't know anybody who was there. So <laughs> that's why I wasn't invited. How I, funny. I had no idea who any of those women were at the time. Yeah. And yeah. I don't remember who
0: they were yeah. now, but.
1: Isn't that interesting?
0: Well, and being her neighbor, it made this kind of, like, it was, I think I was dealing with insecurity on a constant because my secret walks. Um, (laughs) I would always see all these cars. And so I remember sometimes I would come home and call my mom crying. There was, like, 10 cars in front of Kara's house. Obviously something awesome was going on, and they didn't even call me. She's like, did you knock on the door? I said, no, oh, no, no. (laughs)
1: Totally. I'm not
0: going to do that. I'm not going to do that. (laughs)
2: and talk about your mom? Would she mind? No. <laughs> oh, I do I not remember it. meeting your mom. This is what I remember. I remember having an in-depth conversation with your mom as though we had known each other for 20 years and she had always known me and loved me. And then she left and I turned to somebody and said, who is that woman?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't That's even know great. who she was,
2: but she is such a lover. How much of what you, of how you know how to love comes from your mom?
0: Oh, all of it. My mom and I, you know, have not always been close when I was a teenager. She, she'll she tell people openly, I did not like you
1: when from you about teenage.
0: 18 to almost 20. She said, and then 20 hit and you became a human again. And I, she said, I loved you so well and I let you make your choices and that was really hard. When you were 20, it was awesome. And so, like, that's, like, the advice she always gives moms going through, like, teen girl perils is Mm -hmm. you'll love, you'll like them again, I promise. (laughs) It's not just going to love them. But she is just such an amazing woman. My grandma and her four sisters, they're all just such amazing, strong women. Mm. And they really taught me how to be there. When Luke was sick, every single one of my aunts flew out. To help me and just to be there and to put eyes on me and love me and show whether it was taking, you know, my older son, LB, to go do something because I didn't have the energy or stocking my freezer. Mm. They just showed up. And so and that's how it's been my entire life. My aunts and my grandma all had a huge hand in raising me. And so I. Got this amazing opportunity of not only one super amazing strong mama putting her energy into me, but really five more women wow. that loved me just as much, putting energy into me and teaching me how to be a great mom, how to be a great friend, just and the person you know. And I feel really fortunate for that. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so just let's clarify before we move on from this discussion. Luke is your son who had cancer. I talk about him in the book because that's how I first met you was through a blog Kara wrote about meeting you. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I learned your story. Can you just tell the listeners he's he's okay, what the latest is with him, I guess, because I never really wrapped that up in the book, so I'm sure people are wondering what became of him. What became of Luke is he is a vivacious, healthy,
0: very giant for his age, (laughs) five-year-old, and he is smart as a whip. Um, He had really no lingering effects of his diagnosis, and we are so fortunate. Um, He is 100% healthy, happy little boy today. And we still see our oncologist twice a year and so far so good. And we pray that that will always be the case. Um, Obviously, you know, we know (laughs) Mm -hmm. that may not always be. But again, my cup is half full
1: and we're going to say forever and ever and ever, he's going to be okay. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so one of the things that I loved when we had coffee and I was um, picking Allie's brain about the book, um, she had a moment where she mentioned that when Luke was sick, uh, she stopped being getting invited to things. And I had just never really thought about that in that way before. And I know, coming from the friend perspective, no one was trying to leave you out in those moments. You just think, okay, this person's going through something really hard, so I don't want to put another thing on their plate, so we won't even... And it feels so anything. petty compared to yeah. somebody who's child son has, has cancer. cancer. Yeah. Yes. So, of course, I'm not going to invite her to book club or whatever because it feels, from the friend perspective, it feels like I'm bugging you or putting another thing on your plate or whatever. Can you speak into that as having been the one who was walking through suffering? Absolutely. And I
0: will even add that because I just changed a season in my life of now I'm full-time at work. So, don't always just think it's suffering. It could be any life change where now your friend is less present. And so for me at that time, it was a hundred percent that it was, I wasn't physically going through chemotherapy, but I was his mama. And Mm -hmm. I was trying to hold my household together with a husband that worked quite a bit to support us. And You know, I had a job at the time as well. And to try to keep my older son's life as normal as possible. And that's really easy to totally lose yourself in. Mm -hmm. But when I would see these events on social media, which, you know, everyone posts pictures on social media. It was a little bit hard because it was maybe that was a great day for Luke and maybe my husband Brad had the day off and I could have went
1: Mm.
0: and I'm sure in the beginning I probably was invited to a couple things and constantly had to say no. Yeah. But it didn't mean I wanted to stop getting invited. Right. And I think if I could say anything, it was pursue your friends, even in their heart. Mm -hmm. Maybe showing up for you just looks like inviting them to book club. Maybe it looks like I saw you have extra time today because you don't have LB with you. Want to grab coffee. And maybe my answer is a hundred times going to be no, but it doesn't mean I want to stop being pursued.
2: You have been listening to the Mundane Faithfulness Podcast with Blythe Hunt, an official production of the Mundane Faithfulness blog. You can find us on the web at mundanefaithfulness.com or on Facebook at mundanefaithfulness.com slash community. Subscribe now to hear the weekly podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcasting application. Help us spread the word. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please go to iTunes and leave a review.
1: Thank you for supporting the Mundane Faithfulness community.